there. Welcome to Elements tonight. Before we get going, I want to kind of just, uh, first of all, let me thank Jack and, and uh, Brian for just the opportunity to be able to share God's word tonight. And I want to really kind of think about the things that God is speaking to me about, first of all, and to challenge us as, as a body to say, you know, where are we at as it pertains to what is God asking us to do in our lives today? You know, I think one of the, the kind of convictions that I've had in, in my life in the last couple of weeks is, is really two kind of mindsets about, you know, the sense of urgency that God wants us to have in our lives. And because there's a lot of things going on, there's a lot of battles that we're facing. And I think about is that, you know, what kind of urgency do we have in, in being prepared for what God has in store for our lives? And the second one is, is the really complacency of and how easy it is in our lives to be complacent when we know that God's saying, you know what, I've given you everything that you need. But you can't be complacent with it. And I think, you know, as you guys just finished a series about the full armor of God, is that God's given us the armor. But if we're not using the armor, it's just an armor. And tonight I want to just encourage us to think about it. There's a great story in 1 Samuel. It's not even about David and Goliath. It's what happens before that is I want to use that story tonight to encourage us and think about, man, God, I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to be in a position where, man, that, that I don't have a sense of urgency that every day that I wake up that I'm not ready to be able to face with the, God, the things that God has prepared for me. So I want to open up in a word of prayer and, and just ask God, will you speak to us? Will you just allow your word to just uh, bring life to us and that we would not be complacent or that we would not lack a sense of urgency in our lives tonight? So let's pray. So Lord, we love you. Father, we are so in awe that we get to serve an amazing God. Father, we thank you for the worship. There is no greater place to be than in your presence. So Father, tonight I pray that you would just speak to us Father, as we open up your word, will you speak directly to each and every one of us? Because tonight we need to hear from you. Father, we thank you as we celebrate Father's Day. What an amazing day, Lord God, to be a father. Father, I thank you for the honor of being a father. I thank you, Lord God, that we have an opportunity to invest and to lead our children. So, Father, will you just bless the fathers tonight? And will you speak to them? Will you encourage them? May we just be in the right position as fathers to lead the next generation. So we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to open up with a couple of verses. And our first verse is going to be found in Deuteronomy chapter 20. And, and you have to think about this is that anytime there was going to be a war or a battle, God would bring people, the priests would come out and really, just more importantly, give out a reminder. And, and I pray that these two verses will just be a reminder for us tonight that, that God wants you to know, like he says here in this verse, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4, he says, For the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you the victory. And I think sometimes we, we look at our battles and we ask ourselves, man, I don't want to go alone. I don't want to have to battle this alone. And I think so many times in the Old Testament, we would see all these stories that, that the priest would come out and just give this simple reminder is that, guys, you're not going alone. And I think sometimes we forget about that and we just, we, we, we panic and we kind of put ourselves in this position that, God, I don't want to, I don't have the battle again by myself. But, but I love how he says here, and it's crazy to think about in the first couple of verses before that, verse 4, he, he talks about, Hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight your enemies. 
I mean, stop and think about that for a second. How many of us need to be reminded tonight is that whatever you're facing today, that God's saying, you're not going alone. Is that I'm going with you, and I'm going to bring the victory. And it doesn't matter what happens after the fact. What matters is what happens before the fact. Before you ever face a battle, if you don't know that God's going to go with you, man, that's a scary place to find ourselves in. And, and again, so you think about this, this verse, is what, what is exactly is he saying? Because so many times we go into battle thinking, again, that, man, not only are we alone, that I have no strength to face this other battle. And I love the reminder God says, hey, listen, I'm going to win the battle for you. And more importantly, you're not going alone. And look, look at the next verse. It says in um, Proverbs 21:31, it says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. And he says, what does that mean? And, and I think so many times we are so preoccupied with the battle that we forget to prepare for the battle. And, and I have a couple of points here and really thinking about what this means. Because God expects you and I to do the preparation, right? Because if you're not ready for the battle, why would you want to even go into the battle, Right? And I think the second thing is that God wants us to obey him regardless of whether or not the victory seems likely. Because I think sometimes we, we kind of look at our battles, right? We kind of, kind of look it over. We kind of like monitor what, what's going on, how big is the opponent and everything else, and we forget how big our God is. And I think that the reminder, like he says here, is that we have to prepare for battle, right? And if you're not prepared for the battle, why would you even attempt to go into the battle? And the third point I have is that God is the ultimate giver of success, victory and accomplishments, even though we need to utilize the means available to us. And I love the reminder in 2 Peter, like he says, my divine power has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Guys, if you don't recognize the fact is that you don't need more stuff in your life, I mean, think about that. Like Peter says, I've given you everything that you need, God says, for life and godliness. And I think sometimes when we look at our battles, like, God, will you just give me a little bit more? And really the response that God would have is that I've given you everything that you need. You don't need more armor. You don't need more power because you already have me on your side. So how many of us struggle with the fact that God's saying, listen, I can't give you more stuff. I can't go back to the cross and pay the ultimate price that I've paid for you already because it's done. It's finished. But the fact is, as I've titled my message, that you know what? Even though we win, we still have to fight. We still have to fight. Think about the battles that you're facing today. That God has promised you and I that at the end of this, this journey that we're going to win this fight. But you still have to fight. And it doesn't matter how big the, the fight is. The, the reminder and the promise that God says that I'm going to get you through whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, however big your opponent is, that God says you're going to see the victory at the end. We're going to win this race. And I think it's just a simple reminder for me is that, God, why would I become complacent if I know that we're going to win this fight? And I think sometimes even to, to become the negative in our lives is that God's got it in control, and he does. But God wants you to experience the victory while you're fighting the battles. And I think sometimes we want to experience the victory without facing the battles. And so tonight I want to just give a great story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that gives us a, a, 
a couple of pictures, and, and I pray that God would use it, and whatever, which one speaks to you, that you would recognize that, man, you know what? How, what does this look like in my life? So let's turn to 1 Samuel 17, and I'm going to start in verse uh, 4. Or I'll start in verse 3. It says, so the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with a valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. And I'll stop there. And, and really, I'm gonna, and the re, uh, reason I stopped there, because I wanted you to think about this. Why does the Bible describe Goliath to a T? And, and I have a question that, and it's on, on your notes up there. It says, can you describe your opponent? Just stop and think about that for a second. Because if you don't know what you're fighting, how are you preparing to fight against it? And, and I love just this small picture that it, it describes Goliath to a T. And I think sometimes you and I, we don't even know what we're fighting against. And, and, and so the reminder and the question is that, you know, what, what kind of would you describe your opponent if you had to? Because, again, if you don't know what you're facing or you don't know what you're fighting, how are you preparing for it? And it's just important to look at this, at this picture that we get here that, man, when, when they saw Goliath, they knew exactly what they had to prepare for. And I think sometimes you and I, we're not even sure what battles we're facing. We're not even sure what our opponent looks like. And then we wonder why we're not seeing victory in our lives. So, so again, think about that for a second. Can you describe your opponent today in your life? Because, guys, we need to be prepared for what we're facing. Sometimes we keep, you know, being knocked down over and over again because we don't recognize who our opponent is. And, it is, and a lot of times it's not the enemy. It's the way we look at things. It's the way we, we react to things or the way we perceive things. And I think so many times we give the enemy more credit than he deserves. If God's given us all the power we need, we all recognize that the enemy is very limited. And the only authority he can have in our lives is the authority that we give him. So you think about that question for a second. Would, can you describe your opponent? Let's keep reading. So it says in the next verse, it says, uh, in verse 8, it says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion but you are only a servant of Saul. And, and I think, and, and it wasn't on your notes, but I put this down, because you think about this, what keeps telling you that your God's not very big? What keeps telling you that you serve a, a, a little God? Because he, he, I mean, imagine, here Goliath, he says, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Like, your, your army's not very big. Like, it's not, we're not afraid of your army. And I think sometimes we allow people or things or situations or conditions to tell you, you know what, your God's not that big. You, you just belong to Jesus. You just belong to, to that little God. But, guys, we have to recognize, man, is that, you know what, we serve the most amazing God that we could ever serve. 
And there is no lack in him. There is no power in him. And, and I think about this. What are the Israelite people thinking? It's like, hey, your army, it's no big deal. And I think sometimes we fall under that same mindset is that when people tell you, hey, you're not, your army's not, you're not, it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal. Let's keep reading. It's a, uh, let's go down. I want to jump down to verse, um, verse 16 real quick. It says, for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Now think about that. You guys know what strutting is, right? Like they pump out their chest and like, like yeah, you're nothing. Like you're not a big deal. And I think sometimes in us, is I, I put down a question, is that what keeps strutting in front of you? On your notes, what continues to strut daily in your life? Your past, mistakes, missed opportunities, shame, guilt. Because I, I get this picture sometimes is, is that there's these things that keep strutting in front of our lives that keep reminding us who we were instead of who we are today, right? And, and, and we, we kind of retract back because we're afraid of who we used to be. And I, I, get, I think about this is that the Israelite people, we're allowed, allowing fear to come into their lives because for 40 straight days, Goliath would walk back and forth strutting, telling them, like, you guys ain't nothing. And I think sometimes even in our own lives is that we allow our past to strut right in front of us. Our, our guilt, our mistakes, everything that we've done to flash in front of us for 40 straight days and we do nothing about it. Because you've got to think about it. For 40 straight days, what are they doing? Why are they not stopping Goliath from mocking them and telling them for 40 straight days that they weren't, they weren't anything? And, and I think, again, the, the, the challenge for us and the question for us is what's strutting? It's stuff in front of you. Because it's got to stop. It's got to stop. We cannot allow our, our past or anything that has, has not been paid with the blood of Christ, knowing that, man, my sins have been forgiven. That it doesn't matter how many, many times we've messed up, is that today we are free. And that the enemy has no right or no authority to remind us of what happened yesterday if we've confessed our sins to Christ. Amen? So think about that for a second. Let's move on. Let's jump down to verse 24. It says, As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel, and I'll stop there. And the other question I put down there is, what are you running from? Or what are we running from? Because it's so easy to not want to face the battles that, that are in front of us. And I think about this as here is an army Saul's army, that every time they saw Goliath, that they would run from it. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a shame to think about is that we serve the most powerful God and that we're running away from situations because we think that we can't see them through or we can't get through them. I mean, think about that for a second. And I put that question, what are you, what are you running from a battle? What run, battles are you running from? And if you are, why are we running we should be attacking, not running today because of the God that we serve. 
And it's just a, a, an important reminder for us, guys, is that we, we are in the best position that we could ever be when God is in the forefront. And I, I love the verse that talks about that God is the God of the forefront, that God goes before us, that wherever you're going, that God's already been there. I mean, think about that for a second. So what are we really afraid of, that if wherever God's going to take you, that he's already been there and prepared the way for you? What are we running from? What battles are we afraid of? And again, if we don't ask ourselves these questions, who will? How are we ever going to start moving forward in our lives that if we're always running from our battles? When the Bible says that the battle belongs to the Lord and that God will do the fighting for us, but he's, we still have to go move forward. We still have to prepare for it. We always have to be on the offensive, not on the defensive all the time. Amen? So let's, let's keep move on. This story gets better. I want to jump down to uh, verse 28 because I think David's brother, Eliab, is probably one of the most uh, greatest stories that I've seen in Scripture that would kind of give us a picture of what happens when you and I start focusing on other things or other people instead of focusing on, on what God wants to do in our own lives. Because I think sometimes when we face so many battles in our lives, it's so easy to start looking at other people's battles. It's easy to start looking at what's going on in someone else's life. And Eliab is a great example of what happens when you and I take our eyes off our own journey. Because if you don't find joy in your journey, what are we doing? And I think sometimes in, in our own walk with God is that God wants to move us to another place, but we haven't found joy in the place that we are today. Because think about it, why would God take us somewhere else if we haven't learned how to be content where we are today? And I think for, for uh, Eliab, David's brother, it's actually kind of a sad story because it, it shows you and I that if you take your eyes off of your own journey, you're going to lose focus of your journey. And I think what happens in Eli Eliab's life is that Eliab was, was so preoccupied, and yet we read in Scripture that, that the Philistines and the Israelite people were facing each other every day. But I think sometimes we get comfortable and, and we kind of get lax in, in not fighting anymore because we become so used to it. And we, we kind of lower our standard and we lower our expectations for the things that God wants to do in our lives. So here in verse 24, or in verse 28, it says, um, But when David's older, oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. And, and I think sometimes you, when you look at that, at that question, Oh, you know what? I'm going to stop there. I'm going to jump down to verse 17 real quick. It says, One day, Jesse said to David, Take the basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give them ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. And now, my next point, think about this. How many of us as David was just listening to his dad, 
And his dad says, David, I need you to go check on your brothers and see how they're doing, but take them some bread since you're already going over there. And, and I, I put down the next note, I, I put down like, how many times do we minimize the things that God or anybody asks us to do because we think it's not a big deal? Whether it's your job or whatever it is that you're doing, is so many times we think it's just, I'm just taking bread. Do you think for one second that David thought that, man, this was going to be a, a moment for him to see God's power in his life just by carrying some bread to his brothers? And I think sometimes we, we lose the value of the moment because we, we don't recognize that, oh, I'm just, I'm not, whatever I'm doing, it's not a big deal. Well, I'll tell you what, if God is involved in it, it is a big deal. And I think sometimes we minimize the things that we're doing because we think it's just ordinary. But when you serve an extraordinary God, nothing is ever ordinary. And you think about this story of David is that, and I'm not sure that if David thought that day that he was just taking bread to his brothers. And I don't think he was thinking about Goliath because we, we could read the story right now. But I don't think that he says, man, you know what? Yeah, I'm taking bread to my brothers because my dad asked me to. And I think sometimes when God tells and asks you and I to do something, that we don't really see the value of what we're really doing. And I think so many times we lose our joy in our jobs. We lose the joy in what we're doing because we think it's not a big deal. But I'll tell you what, if you would learn, if we would learn how to find joy in what we're doing and knowing that at any given moment that God could show up and do something extraordinary, man, our whole life would just change overnight. Because there wouldn't be no such thing as just, I'm just doing this. I'm just going to work. I'm just having these relationships. I'm just doing this stuff. Because, guys, every moment that God works in your life is a moment that God could do something amazing in your life. And I think sometimes for David, man, the, the, the picture and the example that we get is that have you minimized the things that you do every day in your life? That it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Because we all know, man, what, what God does in divine appointments. That every day, that whether God just saying, I need you to go to your job. I need you to be faithful. Because someone there needs to see you because how, and they want to see how awesome your God is because how faithful you are. Because think about it, the world is looking for answers. The world is looking for someone that's just different, that doesn't just do ordinary, but that everything that they do, like Colossians 3.23 says, what does it say? That whatever you do on word or deed, do it all for the glory of God, right? It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter that maybe it's not a big deal to other people, but if we're doing it for the glory of God, it matters, and I think that's why we become so complacent and we lose a sense of urgency because we think everything that we're doing in our lives is not a big deal. And everything that we do in our life is a big deal to God. And he wants to set you up for so many divine appointments if we would just recognize and say, God, you know what, maybe I am just taking some bread. Maybe I'm just going and checking on my brothers. But you know what, God has something there for us if we would recognize it. And if you, if you just say, God, you know what, I want to just be ready for whatever you have in store for me today as I go to my job. We all know how the, the Bible encourages you and I to be ready in season and out of season. It doesn't matter what season you're, you're in. You've got to be prepared whether you think you're in season or not. Because why? Because if God shows up, something's going to happen.
And I think for David, as, as he's walking and checking on his brothers, something is about to happen. So look at what, ha- what happens here. In we're going to read, uh, verse 19, it says, David's brothers were, were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the, the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. And let me just throw a little point in there. David left the sheep with another shepherd. And I don't know about you, but you have to see this for a second, is that when you go and do something, because, again, his responsibility was what? To take care of the sheep, right? But I love the fact that the Bible says that he left someone else in charge of those sheep. And the lesson and the principle that we should learn from this is that you don't just leave one responsibility to go do another responsibility. you got to make sure that what you were doing is going to be covered by somebody else. Right? I mean, think, why would that be in the Bible? Do you think for one second that God wants to remind us, like, don't jump to the next task if you're not going to take care of the task you're doing now. And all of us, all of us, man, it's so awesome to think about, man, I, I want to go to my next challenge. I want to go to my next opportunity. And God's saying, you know what? Take care of the responsibility you're taking care of now. And when I'm ready to move you or take you somewhere else, then I'll move you. But I think sometimes we lose sight of that. You know what? Oh, God's calling me somewhere else. But are you taking care of where you're at today? Yeah, God wants to take you somewhere else. But are you being faithful with what he's giving you now? That's the challenge for us. And let's keep reading. It says, so David left the sheep for another sh- uh, shepherd, and he sets out. Verse 21, soon the Israelites and the Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunts to the army of Israel. And we read, read, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run. Let's jump down a little bit. Verse 26. It says, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And I think the, the kind of scene that I get here is that David was offended that somebody was mocking his God. And I think for you and I is that if someone is mocking our God, we have the right to stand up for our God. Not that our God needs to be defended, but I think David recognized that, hey, this guy can't be talking about my God. He can't be mocking my God. And sometimes we let people run over our God and not stand up for him That's our responsibility, is that he's the God that saved us. He's the one that paid for our sins. Why would we not stand up for our God? And and David, just in this instance, said, like, who does this guy think he is? And let's keep reading. And verse 27, it says, and these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. Verse 28, but when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David Talking to the men, he was angry. Why was he angry? And I mentioned a little earlier about that if you are so focused on what other people are doing, 
you are really easily going to be angry. Why? Because you're focused on what other people are doing, not what you're doing. David's brother, Eliab, it says, became angry. Why? Because he saw David. And look what he tells him. He says next, in, we are in verse 28 still. Eliab heard David talking to the men. He was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. And there's three powerful points here. Look at the first one. He says, what are you doing here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? Now, you can't tell me this for a second. When you are focusing on what other people are doing, it's so easy to start really kind of thinking that you know what's best for that person or those people, right? What made Eliab all of a sudden the guy that's going to be telling David what he should be doing? And I think sometimes you and I, that if we take our eyes off our own journey, that we start complaining about what other people are doing because we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. You, do you see that? I mean, imagine here Eliab is saying, you're supposed to be taking care of, and he didn't just say all those sheep. He says, you're supposed to be back there taking care of what? Those few sheep. We, I mean, he starts minimizing David's responsibility because David, David's presence there offended him somehow. And I think sometimes for you and I is we become so offended by what other people are doing. Why? Because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's so easy to point out what people are not doing when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what we see there. And then what happens next, he says, what are you doing here anyway? He demanded, what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. And I don't know where he gets that from, but I, I, I can guarantee you is that the reason why Eliab tells David, I know about your pride and deceit, because it was about his pride and his deceit. And it's so easy to tell other people what they are and who they are, again, when we are not focused on who we are and whose we are. And it's, it's crazy to think about is that for Eliab to put David down, and, and I think I even put those on my notes, because what happens a lot of times is when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you become an expert on other people's lives. Isn't that what you see Eliab, do, Eliab doing here? All of a sudden, he became an expert on David's life. You're supposed to be out there working the sheep. You're prideful and you're deceitful. So what are you doing here? And then what happens next, look at what he tells him next. He says, you just want to see the battle. And you're like, we read 28 verses. For 40 days, Goliath would strut in front of the Israelite people. There was no battle going on. And I, and I put down in my notes, when you're not doing what, what you're supposed to be doing or when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, all of a sudden we, get a, we have a misconception of what reality really is. Why would Eliab tell him, you're prideful, you're deceitful, and you're just here to see the battle? And if I was David, I'm like, what battle are you talking about? 
There's no battle going on. Because why? Because Goliath is mocking their God. They run every time they see Goliath. There ain't no battle going on. And sometimes you and I are in that same perspective or mindset is that, you know what, we're saying, oh, you're just here to see the battle. And we're really not even in the battle. We're not fighting for the things that we should be fighting for. And Eliab gets this, this false perception, man, is that, you know what, you're just here to see the battle. And guys, we, we, we don't want people to say, or, or we don't want to just say, you're just here to see the battle. We want people to see that we're in the battle. And I think for, for David and Eliab, and I wish, I wish David would have just said that, you know what, man, you have no sense of reality because there's no fighting going on. I've been here and I haven't seen one fight yet. The only thing I've seen is that you guys are running from him, that he's mocking your God, and now you're telling me that I'm prideful and deceitful because I'm here. That's all David saw from his brother Eliab. And what happens next, we j- jump down in verse um, 32. Almost on verse 29, sorry. What have I done now? Imagine, David's telling his brother Eliab, what did I do? Right? David replied, I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David questioned, question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Verse 32 says, don't worry about the Philistines, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. And I think in our, in our next kind of note I put down, when was the last time somebody told you that you couldn't do it? When was the last time you said, you know what, you can't be successful. You can't have an amazing marriage. You can't move forward. I and mean, we hear that day in and day out, but we have to stand firm in the faith and the power of his might that God is saying, you know what, yes, you can do it. And I love his response. I mean, think about David's response. He's like, hey, listen, I've seen my God work greater miracles than this. Because look what he says next. In verse, after he says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine. Verse 34 says, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear come to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both the lion and the bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine also, for he has defied the armies of the living God, and the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. I mean, if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. Because I think so many times there are so many naysayers or doubters that says, you can't do that. You're not qualified to do that. And you know what? Maybe they're right. We're not qualified. But yet God has qualified you and allowed you to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God that we get to represent this mighty God who has all the almighty power so that we can go out there and make a, be difference makers in our everyday life. 
And I think the reminder for us is that, you know what, maybe there's people have been telling you your whole life, is, you know what, you can't do that. That you have to settle for less. You have to settle for mediocrity. And why should we do that? Because there's a lot of people. There's more people that are going to say you can't do this than there is people who say you can do this. But the only one that matters is that God says you can and you will do this. Why? Because I'm going to go with you. And I, and I love how he finishes this, this uh, verse off. David says, or actually Saul says, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. And, and I think it's just important to kind of look at where we're at today. And, I, and I've asked a couple of questions. And again, if you don't stop and, and, and look around and ask yourself, what am I really battling in my life? I always ask these questions. What do I need to confront in my life? What needs to be confronted? Because there's always something in our lives that needs to be confronted every day. Because if I don't confront it today, guess what I got to confront tomorrow? The same thing that I didn't deal with today. And God has given us the ability to, to not be afraid of the things that we have to confront. Because why? Because he's paid for it already. And, it, and, and God can easily remove all these obstacles in our life. But God's saying, you know what? I will remove them once you confront them. See, God's not going to just get everything out of the way of your life. God wants you to recognize that, hey, you need to trust me with it, but you also have to be involved in it. And I think about even the full armor of God, as you guys just finished the series, that you know what, we can put on the full armor of God and just stay still and never fight and do anything with the armor. But God is challenging and asking you and I, is that number one, what are we going to confront today? What, what do I got to deal with today? And there's stuff that we have to deal with. I, I recognize that. But there is no reason why we should be afraid to confront the things in our life that are getting in the way of our freedom. Because the Bible says in Galatians that God has set you free. What's keeping you from being free? What's getting in the way of you walking out of this place today and recognizing that, that you know, there's no reason why I can't be free in my life. There's no reason why I should have a bad marriage. There's no reason why I should let other people walk all over me. There's no reason why we should be defeated in our lives. Because God is asking you and I to walk in his victory. And we've heard the statement, right? So many times we will say, God, I want victory, I want victory. And God's saying, why don't you just start fighting from victory? His victory, right? So as, as I start closing up, I want you to kind of just... Reflect of where you are today and ask yourself these questions. What does my opponent look like? What continues to strut in front of me every day? What's reminding, me, reminding you and me how bad we used to be? And not let that be a reason of why we stop in our tracks. Because there's nothing that should hold us back today, guys. Nothing. And, and I think about that, that question is that what are you minimizing in your life today? Because everything that you do is a big deal. Everything that, no matter how small you may think it is, when it comes in contact with God, man, it becomes huge. 
And guys, we have to look at our lives as, you know what, we should be the most excited people in the world. Why? Because any time you wake up in the morning, God is setting something up for us. And if we're just going out the door and saying, nah, well, hopefully I have a great day or hopefully something good happens. I'll tell you what, if you let God be the God of the forefront, there's something going to happen. Because God is always waiting for you to move to the next station of your life so that he can do something amazing in your life. But so many times we just settle for just whatever happens. And God wants to remind us today that, you know what, let's enjoy this journey. Let's be mindful that, man, we, we serve on a winning team. But like I said earlier, that, you know what, Let, let's not become complacent. Man, there is a sense of urgency in our lives right now. Is that we can't wait till tomorrow to fix what can be fixed today. Think about that. God wants to deliver you today and so you can be freer tomorrow. Let's not be afraid of our opponent. Because once our God gets, in, gets involved, our opponent has no chance. And, and I want to just, again, encourage you in thinking about that wherever you go, wherever the next chapter of your, your life is going to be at, that God's already been there. How awesome is that? Is that I'm not going to be afraid. Why? Because I know that if God's going to lead me, that he's going to be there when I get there. And let's, 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 let's take that challenge. That, you know what? Com there is no room for complacency. There is no room for lack of urgency because today matters. And, and I tell my athletes all the time at U of A, you know what? The only moment that you and I have to win is what? Today. Because if I can win the moment, I can win the hour. And if I can win the hour, I can win the day. And God is saying, let me be involved in the moment. And whatever happens tomorrow, we'll take care of that when it gets here. But today, God is asking you and me, man, let's, let's remove all the obstacles. Let's remove and let's confront the things that need to be confronted so that, man, that God can work on the things he wants to work on. And as I pray, there's some things in our life that God can't work on, and the only reason he can't work on them is because we haven't surrendered that's things, those things to him. And God's saying, man, you got to trust me with this. we got to find joy in the journey, guys. Let's enjoy this journey. I don't want to wait to heaven to enjoy heaven. The Bible says we can enjoy it today. We don't have to wait till we die to experience heaven. God said, you know what? Today you can experience everything that God has for you if you let God be involved in it. So let's go out fighting. Let's go out, man, knowing that, man, we're going to win this fight, but we have to be fighting the fight, the good fight of faith today. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so in awe that we serve an amazing God. Father, I know it's, it's so easy to become complacent and lose a sense of urgency. And my challenge today, God, is that let's refuse to settle for less. Let's refuse to allow people to steal God's joy in our life. Let's refuse to have bad relationships. And let's find joy in the journey no matter what we are facing, all because we know no matter what happens, we win. So, Lord, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory for the opportunity you give us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.